1969, the 32-year-old Madden became the NFL's youngest head coach. Let's start off and stay after the whole game. In 10 seasons with the Raiders, Madden built a dominating team. He boasts one of the best regular season winning percentages of any coach with 100 victories. He won three of every four games. Well, John Madden was the Raiders. I mean, his personality, his intensity, his persona, everything about John, his appearance was ideally suited for the Raiders. These guys responded to him when possibly they couldn't have responded to anyone else, no matter how smart or gifted they'd be. We liked John. He was a, a player's coach. He let us play football. He let us have fun. And we won. We wanted to win for him. And that's really the key to coaching in the National Football League, is will the players play for you? And he always gave us a chance to do what we had to do as a team. He always stressed, whatever you guys do, just do it together and do it as one. Five o'clock hours here. Cofield and Company live at the Battleborn Broadcast Center. 5709000 is the number to call Matt Hoffman or Justin Watkins. Willie, we got Danny helping us out here. Steve Cofield at the uh, BBC or the BBBBBBBC back in our Finley Toyota studios. It's Ari. You hear the voices of Gene Upshaw and Bill Walsh and uh, Power Voice guy, legacy of John Madden, one of the all time winning coaches and certainly set the Raiders. They were in a good direction in the 60s, but became massive winners in the 70s and just win, baby. Uh, that's meant all, man. It meant all of it. Uh, and we saw a really nice gesture yesterday at the Al as they had a uh, giant photo of John Madden out in front of the stadium up on the big screen. Big five time. Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. So we're just talking to Mark McVillan about the changing rules for COVID in the NFL and other sports. I know the NHL has changed things. College basketball is still trying to work out the plan. Mountain West Conference last night, uh, one game was canceled, hoops-wise. CSU, New Mexico canceled. Boise beat Fresno State. Boise turned out to be a pretty damn good team. Today, there was a game, yep. Utah State and Air Force going at it, and Air Force pulled off the upset. 13.5-point dogs. Here was the end of the game. 49-47 Air Force by two. Try to hold on here in the Mountain West Conference opener. He's got Miller to the right side. It'll rock. Back to Ashworth Long. Three. Short iron. Miller. No. Not in time. The Falcons pull the upset in the Mountain West Conference opener. A huge monumental upset for Air Force to begin Mountain West Conference play. Yep. Moneyline winner. Plus 13 and a half. They win outright. Air Force was also missing two players because of COVID. Maybe that won't have to be the case down the road. Although this one's interesting. From Jeff Goodman, college basketball expert, do not be surprised to see players in college basketball wearing masks during games as soon as this week. The new CDC guidelines say those who test positive need to wear masks from days 6 through 10. What do you think? Is this going to happen? Are we going to see NHL players, NFL players, and especially college basketball players wearing masks? No. Why not? I just don't know. if I just can't imagine because that that topic came up last year and i remember it coming up when i was covering baylor it came here to play at the t-mobile i was the lone person well actually let me correct that myself and jason orts who was working at the rj but he was covering baylor for his old hometown in waco and we were the only two reporters 
plus the staff and then the teams. And there was talk of will the teams be wearing the masks during games? And I remember one of the teams that was contemplating it was Washington because they were in town. But it just wasn't flying with the team. So I, I would imagine that unless they the CDC may mandate it, but I don't know if teams are going to even want to run the risk of, okay, you're still positive, so put a mask on, but that but doesn't take away from you being contagious. And it doesn't, I, I'm, I'm not- So what really, are you saying? They're not going to play days six through 10 or they are going to play six through 10? No, I think that if they can play with, if they can field the team without those guys, I don't think that they're going to make them play with a mask. I just don't think, I can't imagine the basketball team or hockey players or football players or NBA players are going to run up and down a court and be able to keep their mask on. I just don't. What would you rather do? Would you rather play or, or uh, no, I'm sorry, sit out or play with a mask if that's the choice? Because I'm playing. In a big conference game, if I got to wear a mask on the floor, I'm playing. Okay. I'm not sitting out. I'm not missing a freaking what, game. What, what would I want to do? I'd want to play. But I but I don't think that you're going to be able to sustain all right. the your playing. Oh, no, your minutes. Ga your gas tank will be depleted to a you're gonna put the You're going to pull the mask down. Yeah. So if it's, you have to ask yourself, well, well, what's going to happen if they pull the mask down to catch their breath? Or let's say free throw. David Hall will tee him up. I'm kidding. I'm, I, that, that, I'm during a free during a free throw. <laughs> it so is a now, technical foul if so, you move the mask. So if you walk to the other end of the court, because you because the opposition is is shooting a free throw can you pull your mask down to get your breath can you sit on the bench can you go to the end of the bench what how are you going to mandate that they have to keep the mask on the entire i know this when i'm going when i'm going into the gym and i'm lifting and i'm at a gym where it's full of people i have to you you have to keep your mask up it's it's not your easy and your cardio is better for it i can tell as I hack into this microphone. <laughs> now you just did that on purpose. Top four stories. Number four. All right, what's going on with our WNBA team and the coach? Uh, they have a coach. Why am I hearing about Becky Hammond? What's happening here? Well, apparently the Las Vegas Aces and the New York Liberty are seriously, quote, an air quotes per sources through a report that they're pursuing Becky Hammond. They think that she would be good for the league, good for the team. I mean, I think that she would definitely be great for the WNBA. I think she would be a great would, player coach. Would she take a leave from the Spurs? Well, no. Do the seasons cross over at all at the end? I think they do, right? Or can she do both? I don't think she makes she like 200K with the Spurs. What is her best path? Is she going to get an NBA job? If she went to the WNBA, would that help her get an NBA job? I or think is she best off... Going to college basketball, where there are coaches who make you know six hundred thousand to I don't know where Gino Oriam is, you know, way north of a million dollars. I wonder where her best realistic path is. Is part of that path coaching in the WNBA as a head coach? It's 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 not a matter of what her because because the way you're putting it, what's her best path? You're talking about monetary. No, no, I was talking about the ultimate goal, which is becoming an NBA coach. She's coaching in the NBA as an assistant to become a head coach. No, I mean that's <laughs> that's got to be the goal. It is the goal, absolutely. Let's not forget that she coached an NBA Summer League team to a championship here in Las Vegas. Um, so she wants to be a head coach. I personally don't think that if she takes a WNBA job, I don't think that she's going back to I, I think it. I think that would hurt her chances. Um, if you want to succeed and, and grow your brand. Now, can't I think 
the question is sort of double-edged there. Can she be an NBA coach? I 100% think that she's capable of running a team being an NBA coach. Will she get a job? Remains to be seen. I don't know if a female's ever going to get that chance. That's not right. I'm not saying that that, that I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but it may be way past our lifetime. I don't know. By the it, way, it, she it, could probably do both, unless the Spurs are you know going to make some miraculous run the rest of the season and deep into the playoffs because WNBA season uh, you know, isn't starting up until what like May. So you'd have to be pretty far into the NBA playoffs to not be able to work in the WNBA. Uh, my other question is: the Aces have a coach. What's going on? They do have a coach, and I have, and I'm wondering. Bill Lambert's doing a good job, right? Well, he's 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 done a good job in getting the the ladies as far as they've gotten, but they haven't won the the title. Um, Well, I can tell you one thing that I had a problem with is, is the, the final game of their season last year. Um, I didn't hear anything about, we have to do a better job um, coaching. We didn't get the job done coaching. It was, Mm. they didn't have fire. I didn't see the same fire as our opposition. Mm. Okay. And I, and I can tell you that when, uh, when when the questions were asked to Chelsea Gray and Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum, I saw fire in their eyes. I saw a little bit because it was on Zoom. And I texted some people that were in that press conference room. And I don't think that they were too happy with when they heard what he said in terms of fire and that they and the other team wanted it more. And, well, no, they, they, they just, they, you know, and they, we have to find a way to have more passion. I thought it was a slap in the face to his team. And I think that they did too. Now, whether or not that's, a, that's not the defining moment as far as his career as a coach, but he could also be, you know, let's not forget that just because the Aces are new here doesn't mean Lambeer's new. He's been in this league for a long time. Right. He is a figure of this league, and he's done a lot for this league. But... Maybe he wants to just be there for an administrative role because he's seen and structured some championship teams. And perhaps he and Mark Davis have had a conversation. And perhaps, hey, I'll Bill Beer, next coach of the Raiders. Let's bring. Oh, that's not where you're going? Huh. Have that conversation? No, he's I, not going to. He, and he's, so and he's, may, he's, he's not going to take Mike Mayock's there, spot either. <laughs> there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of work here, and it wouldn't be the worst thing for uh, Beckingham to come to Vegas, and that could help sell tickets. Yeah. That's a, that's that, a nice move as well. And, and that's what I was going to say is as far as now, as far as money is concerned and building a brand and being a somewhat of a polarizing figure in her own right, which I think she already is, um, I think it could become the highest paid head coaching job because of the city that we're in, the brand that's been built, the fact that the all-star game has come here, the fact that everything in that we're talking about, sports, is coming to Las Vegas, this is becoming the town that other WNBA teams, they have said they love coming here. They love, they said that they love arriving at the airport and seeing Aces, in-season Aces logos everywhere, driving into town and seeing the little placards on light poles, coming into the Mandalay Bay and seeing Aces everywhere. They feel that it's one of the, if not the best towns, just like we've heard NHL teams, the excitement of being able to play here. WNBA teams are excited to come here. So it's a matter of what Becky Hammond wants to do. It would be detrimental, I feel, if you start a career as a head coach in the WNBA. I think that you have to set forth then. You can't, because if you go back to the NBA, you're starting over. 
I don't think that you could just you can't go back and forth. It's one or the other. College basketball, I think, may be different. But WNBA, you make that move. But I do think this is the town. I don't think the New York Liberty is the town. I think that this is the town that if you're going to make that jump, you're going to make that career change. This is the town you do it in. Top three stories. Number three. Reports in Seattle, Pete Carroll, Jody Allen on the same page. It looks like Seattle will not be rebuilding. So apparently Russell Wilson is off the market. Do you believe this? Nope. Because. Nor do I. I mean, him and Jody Allen may be on the same page that the Seahawks will not rebuild. But guess what? Um, When Russell Wilson's gone, you're rebuilding. You're not bringing a new – what are you going to do? Just bring a quarterback in and they're just – just jump right in. Have they talked to Ciara about not rebuilding? They better get to. They better talk to somebody. But they better get on. They better get on the same page with Russell Wilson. And aside from one another, they're on the same page. Seahawks will not rebuild. But um, I don't know. I was at that. I, I know one thing. I was at that Stanford Pac-12 championship game at Mandalay Bay when Mark Davis was on one side of the arena and Russell Wilson was on the other watching his sister, Anna, and I was getting text messages. Going, oh, I thought you were saying they were texting back and forth. No, but I was getting text messages going, keep an eye out to see if they both get up from their seats at the same time. <laughs> right, let's go get some popcorn together. Number two. Number two. Hmm. Coaching royalty. Chuck Knoll, Hank Stram, Paul Brown, Sid Gilman. Don Shula, Bud Grant, Weeb Eubank, Marv Levy, Tom Landry, George Allen. Those are all guys that John Madden coached against, Hall of Famers. He was 36, 16, and 2 against them. John Madden is one of the greatest coaches in the history of the NFL. And I, you know, sadly, sometimes someone has to pass away before a lot of people examine what they did. You know, many of us know John Madden from TV and the video game. He was a hell of a coach. And when you're seeing the record numbers like this, he deserves a lot more credit as a freaking coach. And I think the one reason, I think the biggest reason has to be is that his, his, I think his legacy is going to go down as those, that middle and third portion of his career. The third part, obviously with the younger generation, but his broadcasting career certainly overshadows his coaching career simply because of what he did to transition. We talked about it, right? With the telestrator and the different thing, the, talking about everything aside from football. He's the one that had that did that. He's the one that opened that door for other broadcasters and color commentators to do that and make it part of the norm. Wasn't anybody before him. He was the one that did it. And there were so many aspects of being a color commentator that he that people in 2021 should be thanking him for. And you know what? Beyond football, the colorful character of a color commentator in basketball, in hockey, in baseball, in football, they should probably be thanking John Madden. And that's probably why he's overshadowed and people forget of what a great NFL coach he was. You know, I want to talk about something that, that triggered my thoughts when I'm listening to John Robinson, I'm reading these stories, I'm listening to Mark McMillan, yeah, we had those guys on the show earlier. You can hear the podcast at lbsportsnetwork.com. When they talk about being able to bring together a collection of players, when when John Robinson said, how many times did he go, Whew, those are some wild characters, but when he was able to, because he was a players coach, and bring 
Who's that remind you of? I'm just curious if you if you catching on what I'm saying here on a local level. Being able to bring together a cast of characters from different genres, demographics. Wasn't Jerry Tarkanian a guy who could bring together personalities and everybody loved him? He was a beloved guy. Stayed with one team. I mean, he, he didn't stay with one team, but his legacy is going to be what he was started Long Beach, went to UNLV, was, went to Fresno. But what he did here and how he brought together from the streets and that lovable guy. And when they stepped on the court, those personalities came together as one. I thought of that so many times watching different stories, listening to John Robinson, listening to Mark McKenna. Robinson said of John Madden, he was just a simple, honest guy who had a great intellect and was smarter than hell. He understood human beings. He would walk in a room, look around, and knew everything about the people in it. He understood people, and he knew how to motivate them, and that's why he kicked the crap out of a lot of great around the National Football League throughout the 70s. Top story. Number one. How do you find the next John Madden? Oof. That's a tall task. The Raiders need to do it. There are people right now around the Raiders community who are a little annoyed that the Raiders have this window here. They have an interim coach. They're one of two teams that could be interviewing guys right now. We're seeing the Jaguars are setting up interviews left and right. It doesn't look like the Raiders are going to take advantage of this window. I don't know why. Have you heard? Are they? Because I've seen some people say, oh, well, you know, that's a bad look. You got an interim coach. There's still a lot going on right now. Is there a difference between the Jaguars because the Jaguars stink and they're not in playoff contention? Should the Raiders be talking to people and make it public now? No, and you know why? Because when this first came up a few weeks ago, Mark Davis's comment per the story and per, quote-unquote, a source, apparently he said, I'm focused on the playoffs. I have to wonder if because there's no outside distraction – and everybody, let's just say that there's a list, an official list. And Mark Davis says, yes, this is who we're talking to. This is this. We brought him in, so on and so forth. When, when Derek Carr comes in today into the facility and jumps on the Zoom, or Rich Basaccia, or, or the coordinators tomorrow, how many of those questions are, aren't, instead of about right. the Colts and COVID, they're asked about the, and it's, and it's sidetracked. We've already seen it. The, one of the toughest guys in the media, Reverend Hondo, might go right at him. Start yeah. asking about coaches they're interviewing. Right. So You can hear Hondo in the mornings over on uh, R&R 920. So brings it. those distractions could possibly, I mean, because the Raiders are still in the playoff hunt. And the, and the Colts, we don't know what's going to happen. They're in COVID protocol up to their necks. So if the Raiders go in there and win, now all of a sudden, by the way, if the Raiders and Chargers get flexed to January 8th, can you imagine the dilemma that these crazy Vegas fans are going to have? Do we watch Marc-Andre Fleury's return or do we watch the Raiders and Chargers? Oh, my. Phil Villapiano, we talk more about John Madden. We'll get into more of what Willie was talking about, who sounds like he's actually fired up not only for the flex opportunity, but also uh, maybe Willie wants to ask, uh, you know, just throw it at Derek Carr after a game with your mask up, kind of mumbling it. Hey, Derek, what do you think about Todd Bowles? It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. What a way to start a Super Bowl. That's what Cincinnati wants to do. He makes a little basketball twist there and pivot, and boom, the ball's there right again between the eight and the nine. Oh, is he happy.
That dude loves football. John Madden, we're talking about him all day long. We'll bring in another former Raider in just a little bit. Willie's here. Cofield, Willie's uh, gutting it out. He's got the cough. He got up at 2 o'clock in the morning. So he's fired up. You're bouncing off the walls uh, during the break. We were both trying to come up with ideas to top each other. It's a very competitive show. And as I've, and I mentioned off the air to you, um, it takes a couple of months working on the show to really grow the kind of hatred level you need to come on the air with both Ari <laughs> and myself. And I think you're there. Um, all right. The NFL. The, yeah. like the Raiders should do something for John Madden. Yeah. He he should have a statue near the stadium. So now it's a race to see who gets the statue first, Flurry in front of the fortress or at the Owl, a Madden statue. And I'm serious on the Madden statue. I'm serious on the Flurry statue. Um, the NFL needs to do something. Yeah, Not perfect. just because he was a coach of the Raiders, but more importantly, the dude brought football on television just that much further along mm-hmm. and put his name agreed as one of the biggest names around the game to put his name on this video game, the NFL needs a permanent tribute to Madden. So is it an award? Is it something that's at every stadium? What is it? Here's my, here is my injection to this. Here we go. I knew, I knew it. Where are we right now? Battleborn broadcast center in BBBC. Yes. Where's Ari? He's in our Finley Toyota studios. Every Monday night, because it's the staple mark of NFL. Forget TBS, forget NBC. Every Monday night, forget Fox, every Monday night football. For the rest of it, it should be welcome to Monday night football. We are in the Monday night Madden booth. It's not bad. Go ahead and top it there, Steve. Well, I want to go with a, like a more of a bowl theme, like the John Madden game, the weekly John Madden game. That would be cool. Something like that. that would would it be Sunday night football or Monday night football? Monday night? Well, it could be any game. I mean, you could pick an NFC East game. It could be, you know, it could be something on Thanksgiving with the Durducken. I was going to say, should they, should every, should every concession stand in the in the country at NFL Stadium sell a Turducken? Or just a, a tur- Madden or turkey like it. Or turkey should like the it. NFL come up with its own line of Turduckens named after Madden and sell it at all the grocery stores? I mean, I think that would be the perfect match. You're honoring John Madden, but you're still making money off him. The NFL which Turducken? Say, which I say sarcastically because I'm sure the NFL is like, Good idea. What's going to make us money? I think the NFL turducken, but I think the turkey leg would be go over great because you go to these festivals or carnivals or, or and you always see people with the corn. Or you see them with the turkey leg. Can there be a yearly award that's a turkey leg to the best offensive lineman? Sure. The Bron- best interior like a, like lineman, a, like the, the, the best fat ass in the league. They're not all fat asses. Like, you know, Quentin Nelson is not a fat ass, but he's an interior lineman. No, but, but Quentin that- Nelson is a seven-time winner of the Madden Turkey Leg Award. Yeah. That would be good. I think we're getting to something. The Madden Turkey Leg Award. I'm st- I am still marveling at the video that you and I both watched because I do not remember it happening. Al Michaels and Madden talking about their turducken. He loved that turducken. By the way, that good story from Ari that he found, the turducken was actually in many ways invented by the guy who was very famous for Cajun food, Paul Perdome, who said he claims that he actually was making the turducken back in the 70s in Louisiana? Wyoming. He oh. worked at a restaurant and he was like, all this meat looks the same for the holidays. Let's go with the turducken. So this thing goes back like, you know, freaking 50 years now. But no one, no one knew what the hell that was until Madden starts in front of Al Michaels. He sliced up a turducken on live TV with his hands. With the outside of his It was hand. one of the most animalistic, perfect, you know, big fella. Like, it, those of us who are a bit zaftig, who wouldn't love to just, here you go, everybody. I'm going to slice it up. Rip, rip, rip. Hand slicer. Yeah. That was John Madden. 
It was fantastic. And I, Al Michaels was like, eh, what kind of sauce can we get on that? He said, can I get some Did you sanitize sauce? your hands? Yeah. Can you imagine doing that now? I can. I might go home and do it. Just so get it. I might, I had, I I might have what, to stop at the store and get a rotisserie. I, I had a chicken cordon bleu today that mm. I bought on clearance. Here okay. we go. I can't do another clearance meat story. All right. Coming back, Phil Villapiano on uh, the legend that was and is John Madden. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Now, back to Cofield & Company. Welcome back to Lightomania. Whoa, Gee, what a surprise. Hi, Wait, it's not over yet. Jesse is really L.C. <laughs> Greenwood. What a makeup job. And I'm not Vince McMahon. Oh, here's Sonny Bonas. Hi, everybody. Well, Sonny Taste Braid has won, which proves <laughs> is America's favorite light beer. Because when it's <laughs> less filling really tastes great. Man, oh, man, our sound crew pulling stuff out from the, uh, the 70s archives. They do not like free pops, though. I'm not going to mention the beer. Huh? It was Miller Lite. That was the big campaign. Uh, and we've gone through you know, different parts of John Madden's impact on the world of football, pop culture, and commercials. And being a pitch man was a freaking really big part of it. It's funny. Willie and I were watching one of Madden's appearances on Letterman. You know how many sports figures get to go on Letterman and Carson and – Jay Leno, and that's how big John Madden was in the the eighties and into the nineties. And God Almighty, I love the throwbacks to the old commercial campaigns because you forget just how big your commercials were. They were on, the greatest on on paying athletes. That that commercial we just played back was a wrestling commercial, and you could hear some of the names in there. Madden was you know the the color voice for the wrestling event. Mm. Uh, Vince McMahon's in the commercial. Sonny Bono pops up. Euchre's there. Elsie Greenwood. Jesse the Body. Ventura. There's a bunch more athlete celebrities in the crowd. I don't remember. I don't know what it is now. I don't even know the the regulate. But I do remember when those Miller Lite commercials were coming up. You know, they hit hit the airwaves and, and really took us all by storm. And we loved them, right? They went on for years and years and years. You could not be a part of it until you were officially retired. So as an active athlete, you couldn't do beer pitches. Or coach. I don't think John Madden was part of it until, until he became a broadcaster. So Ooh, he, that's You know, that's interesting. Well, you're saying NFL. Yeah. It wasn't like all coaches because uh, Billy Martin was a big part of right. it. Right. And Billy was on and off Yankees manager. Right. No, the NFL, times. you could not. Uh, if I remember correctly, right, they, they, was, they, they ruled. <laughs> Wait, restricted. Yeah. Current um, players and coaches. Yeah, you couldn't In be an active ads. player and go, and go pitch liquor. Is there anyone who does it now? I told, I that's what I'm wondering. Is it still I'm trying to, I'm sitting they get thinking. so much money from beer companies. Yeah, I'm trying to. I can't think off the top of my head, but there's probably someone obvious. The very the very first person I'm thinking of that does a beer commercial is Tony Roma does the Corona commercial, but I don't know who else. Like I, right off the top of my head, I can't think. Yeah. So, but no, I remember that that you know once they retired, then they could start doing those commercials and join, join the roster. Go back and watch. Oh, they're go back and watch because again, we, yeah. like we were saying, one of the one of the really easy things to do uh, with with John Madden in this case, because he was on TV so much and so many people upload stuff from the seventies and eighties and even the sixties yeah. up onto YouTube. You can find so much Madden stuff from game calls, funny moments with him in Summerall, uh, and the commercials are all over the place. It's I, I was almost tempted this morning to. Instead of watching high, after I watched those highlights, was to find a game, like an old 
Cowboys-Washington game or a Cowboys-Eagles game, Eagles-Giants, and watch the game. You know who I would love? I actually can't wait for tomorrow. Um, Kind of hoping that they win just so I can catch up with him and talk to him. But I want to know who was calling the game when Herm Edwards scooped up the fumble. Remember the, the, yeah, the, the first miracle at the Meadowlands, the yeah. real miracle at the Meadowlands. I don't know who was calling that game, but that's an NFC East game. That would be fantastic, dope. But to, to talk to Herm about, you know, about Madden. I mean, he was a little busy, and I know Ari did a good, uh, you know, was working diligently to try to, to line up some guests today. But Herm would have been great to have on, but he's a little busy, a little busy. preparing for the Las Vegas Bowl. But, you know, he's doing media, and they're running around, and I, I would imagine they're trying to stay as healthy as possible. But he would have been great to, to, to discuss um, you know, John Madden, because he was in the thick of that NFC East. Oh, we ran short on time. We were talking about potential coaches for the Raiders. Mm. Where are you now on Basaccia, you know, making the playoffs and then keeping the job? I am still on where I said when it, when you two weeks ago, me. you kept saying he'll get an interview. That's all you, that's all no, you're going to get right now. Right. But no. And we were making jokes about baseball references and I said, you said home run grand slam. And I said, a home run is winning the AFC. A grand slam is winning the Super Bowl. He's got to get, he, he is not, he, 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 he would earn an interview if they make the playoffs, he would earn serious consideration if they win the AFC, but he's still not in. They close out with four straight wins. He gets an interview. They win a playoff game. He gets an interview. You're not going to get me to say he gets the job unless they win the Super Bowl. Period. That's ridiculous. Well, that's the way it is. And that they weren't they weren't expected to win the Super Bowl with John Gruden. Okay, but Basachi is yet to take credit. It's also there's a lot of behind the scenes. Gus Bradley has a lot to do with it. Greg Olson's okay. calling the well, plays. Well, if, if that helps you retain Gus Bradley. Do you you're, you're, you're a gigantic Gus guy, so if that was if, if that's Versace, part of it, hey, these guys work wonderfully together. I don't know how. What do you think about Oli? I don't know the whole car thing. You know, snapping on you. I don't know what you know if you can be objective I've, right now. <laughs> you keep and, and let's let's also let's let's also admit, uh, Versace has held the team together. They've gone out and played some good football. The defense has carried the team. My question still, this is: hasn't, down the stretch here, this hasn't been some kind of ringing endorsement for Oli. My question is. Okay, my question is, if Basaccia were the full-time coach, do things stay status quo, or does he change his persona? Does he take more control? Does he change? Do does he does he not become a player's coach anymore? The guy that everybody loves, the, the beloved Why would guy. He change? It's working right now for a couple of games in a row. If it works for four games in a row and they win a playoff game. So it's a three-headed coach, realistically, because that's what he said when he first took it over. This is a collective effort. So now all of a sudden. Oh, are you saying does he have to? Is he going to have to walk back those words? I mean, it- yes, because he's now going to, if he wants see right now, he's listening to what Oli and, 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 and Bradley are saying. I don't think that he's vetoing anything, but once he's oh, the I'm head sure coach, he's vetoed a few things. We don't, we're, we don't, we're not there during the games. We had a really, I'll tell you what, last night on the Kevin Kruger show, we had a real interesting conversation. Uh, coach Kruger was out. So Tim Buckley filled in and, you know, Tim Buckley has been around college basketball for a while. He's a guy, I think, I don't want to make him sound older than he is, but I think he's, he's in his mid fifties. So that, you know, we were, John Sandler and I were kind of delving into without being obnoxious. You know, it's kind of interesting. You got a 37 year old head coach who was an assistant next to you. Now he's your boss. And I, I found it kind of fascinating, you know, when you're an assistant with someone you work next to as an assistant, and now they're the head coach, that whole dynamic. 
sort of like Basaccia with you know, the guys you're mentioning. Yeah. You know, everyone's got everyone's got to accept a role, and at some point you're like, hey, I, I've been hired as the defensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator. If Basaccia gets the full-time job, he's the head coach. You know, he's right. coach. Right. So he's so he's going to have to change. He's going to have to How start- do you know that? But you don't know the real dynamics. You really think it's a three-headed coaching deal? I do. Okay. I 100% I mean, you're do. You're closer to the Raiders than I am. And you I, I 100% do because I believe that Rich Passaccia, what we see is what we get. I think that he comes in as – this is a dude, Steve. Let me tell you something. When John Gruden used to walk into that room, he'd walk in and he'd go he, – he'd make a quick statement and he'd be like, I'll be happy to answer any questions, however he talks. Right. Okay, I'm not in the person. And look at him now. He's Basaccia, to this day, when he comes in, right after a game, who has time after a game, win or lose, to jot notes down? He's reading from a script. So what? If that's what makes him, it makes him feel comfortable. You don't think he's more authoritative now than he, you know, in front of you guys? No, you, I'm not ridiculing that. You're asking me if I think that if I really think it's a three-headed monster or three-headed coach. Excuse me, not a monster. Um, you're asking me if I really believe what I'm hearing. This dude is as genuine as it comes. If he tells us that it's not just him, that he's – I 100% think that he's just – he's a genuine, nice guy. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. What I'm saying is that, yes, I don't think that he's stepping on anyone's toes yet. I think he's he thinks it's a collective effort. I think if he's given the full-time position, he's got to take a different hmm. mindset, and he's going to have to at some point say, no. This is the way it's going to be done. Right. right now, if he disagrees, I don't think he has room to 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 veto anybody yet because we they're in dire straits. They're trying to make the playoffs. They're trying to still salvage what took place to this team. It wasn't too long ago that we were dealing with it, like it or not. Go back how many weeks, but it's still fresh in that locker room's head. What took place with John Gruden? What took place with Henry Ruggs? RIP Tina Tintor. This is still fresh in this team's head. So I think that it's a vi- they're still delicately walking on eggshells and trying to make the right moves. This dude has a whole offseason to, to draft and come into the next season. You absolutely have to change your mindset and start directing and not just collectively working with your two coordinators. Giveaway time, 364-1100, 364-1100. Golden Knights come back in a freaking tizzy romp on the Kings. Hopefully that continues as a uh, next week. You got the Preds in town. We got two tickets to go see the VGK against Nashville. Three, six, four, 1100 is three, six, four, one, one, zero, zero caller 11. If you don't win the tickets, you can check out what we've got going on on LVSportsNetwork.com with the flight deck. It's one sixty a ticket. Oh, you can eat and drink. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. I think if a guy has had a concussion or has a concussion, he shouldn't play anymore. I I don't agree with with that. I mean, they always talk about boxing and boxing being archaic, but if a boxer, a fighter gets knocked out, he can't fight for another month. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. And sometimes in football, we say, oh, the guy has a slight concussion, he'll be right back in. I don't know that I ever agreed with that. McMahon doesn't look comfortable with the way he feels. I'm so glad a lot of these clips. Great job by the Vast Sound crew putting together all the rejoins today. Uh, I'm so glad that the clips are popping up all over the place because I I wonder how many back-in-my-day guys are like, oh, crap. Because they probably thought John Madden's like, Puss, play. 
I was gonna Back say, in my day, there were no head injuries, wimps. And you hear John Madden watching. I mean, you, you could, if you watch this video, you could see Jim McMahon, who had like 900 concussions yeah. and is still suffering from it badly. You could see he was not right, as Summerall said. And Madden's like, eh, what, like he put it perfectly, like slight concussion. There's no such thing as a slight concussion. Right. So going back, that was 1993, going back some 30 years, John Madden wasn't one of these, you know, Neanderthal guys. That we, there's so many people my age and your age and, and older who are like, they were talking about Like John Madden back then knew. If your head scrambled, you shouldn't friggin' be playing. And and the equipment wasn't as advanced as it is. You know, that was another one. Now I cannot remember who I saw interviewed. I saw another interview about Madden saying that after his... Oh, it was Belichick, right? So I tweeted out a thing about Belichick today. And I said, hey, this is a really valuable watch. Well, it was Belichick. You could tell he was sad. He also speaks in a really slow pace, so there was a lot of ums and ahs. It was four minutes and 44 seconds. Belichick actually mentioned, and I did not know this, but Madden was around very often after, maybe towards the end of his announcing stint, but after that, and he actually was leaned on for advice on football safety. So he's actually one of the guys, I'm trying to think, uh, the way Belichick was describing it, Madden was involved in coming up with some of the penalties now that increase safety for players like quarterbacks. Hmm. That was John Madden. Old school guy when they were tough. No, that, that's who John Madden really was. But, you know, people try to put these qualities on. I'm not saying they did it with Madden, but, you know, it's always this back in my day. They were tougher, you know, like, cut it out. Um, <clears throat> as I do often, maybe it's the ADHD in me, but I got sidetracked before what I was going to say is, watching these clips and you're watching the best of i had was tempted to do i watch do i want to go in and find a full game yes and just watch a full game him coaching or announcing no announcing oh the announcing is brilliant there's gonna be so games, economical with his words yeah Madden, there's gonna be games Madden's on youtube hilarious. where you can find a whole game and just sit there and watch or do you want to watch the greatest hits you can't lose with either one and i implore you especially those of you who don't remember an iota of him announcing or definitely him coaching, but all you know is Madden. And especially if you learned the game, like Caleb Herring said, his playbook was built around Madden. Do yourself a favor and go watch on YouTube 30 minutes of announcing or just half of a game, a quarter of them and of them talking and watch the things that you now see and are marveled by in 2021 that came from back then. Let's put a hand in there, dude. No? Stick your hand in there, Dave. Stick your hand in there, Dave. There you go. There Appreciate is. that. All right. Back to the real Cofield and Company. Yeah. <laughs> I got a rant about something. Oh. So uh, you, and I, I you and I were kind of going at it yesterday with UCLA and NC State. Yeah. And UCLA bailing on the Holiday Bowl, and everyone assumes that you know UCLA screwed over NC State. Then I see Dave Doran make a statement that UCLA didn't tell them anything. Would have been nice to get a heads up. Mm-hmm. Are you guys? I almost dropped an f bomb. Are you kidding me? Wait. So in a culture, a football culture where you see it with the media, they ain't going to tell us about injuries, right? Mm-hmm. Well, part of that is because there's this thought like I ain't telling the opposition. Anything. Anything. Right. So all of a sudden, Dave Doran, the NC State coach, is like, oh, we could have used the head up. Heads up. You wouldn't do that. I know you would not do that. There's no way. If NC State, leading up to the Holiday Bowl, thought they were going to be without 20 guys, 
that they would freaking tell UCLA. You're lying. There's no way you would do that. And by the way, we're seeing Jim Harbaugh do it, aren't we? Isn't there a player on the Michigan side where everyone's like, okay, is he there or not? And Michigan's like, I don't know. How long is this? This is football culture. Every edge of football coach can get. And yeah, it's it sucks that UCLA may have done it. I mean, they did. They they had to know they had a good number of players. Sure, they did before the last couple. You know, the last couple of hours before they called it off. But if you if you're accepting a football culture all the time, then the rules don't change with something like this. They just look at it like, hey, it's an injury, and I'm not telling the other side that I'm going to be down twenty guys. Well, and and that's where being mandated, regulated comes in college versus the pros because there's a COVID list. So you have to report the COVID list, right? So and that's what we're seeing with the NBA. That's what right. I mean. I, I every yeah, morning, I, I listen, listen, I'm in me. I'm, I'm on the media site in the NBA every single morning when I'm writing up some sports betting analysis there, there, it used to be like three reports a day, like the injury report, shoot around, right? The morning, then the shoot around, then the final report. There's one every hour. I mean, you look at it and the, the hyperlinks, they're updated like at 930 Eastern, 1030 Eastern because it comes out at 9 and 10 Eastern, 6 and 7 our time. They're mandated. They have to come out. I understand the frustration of Dorm, but like you said, he's not going to do the same thing. Today he came out and said, there's a video, on the NC2A not ruling the Holiday Bowl as a forfeit, quote, the NC2A stands for no clue at all. In my opinion, I don't really care what they say about it. He's salty. Remember, you can always be on the other side of this. He's salty. Remember, you can always, these coaches, you can always be on the other side where you're the one who is hamstrung and has a, a tough decision to make. Let me throw this at you in the final couple seconds here. Yeah. I'll use the ACC as an example. I think Maryland was one of the first schools to sign an out-front deal with a sportsbook. What if a sportsbook went to the ACC and they're like, all right, we want to sponsor football and basketball. Uh, we're going to pay you $2 billion a year. But – you got to put out injury reports before the games, which include for two COVID. billion dollars. You got to do that. What would they do? They're going to do it because the coaches would be like, "No," and then I'm sure the presidents of the schools would be like, "You're you're going to do it for two billion dollars. You're going to do it, right?" Integrity, integrity. Thanks to the folks here at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Thanks for uh, letting us use the studio and great guest today from Ari honoring John Madden.